by uh, a member of the National Police Association, a nonprofit that supports law enforcement officers across the United States. They have filed suit to obtain the Nashville Shooters Manifesto and uh, other records. In other words, they've done a FOIA request, if I read this correctly. And uh, I don't know why the manifesto hasn't been released yet, unless there's something in it that people think is going to suddenly irritate people so badly it's going to incite something in folks. So, uh, Mr. Pierce is with us. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. It's good to be with you. Yeah, tell us about, number one, why you think the manifesto has yet to be uh, uh, made public to the American public to know what was in it. Okay. Yeah, and I heard your introduction. I, I want to clarify. I am I'm not really with the National Police Association. I'm the attorney in Nashville that's representing the National Police Association. Oh, okay. Well, that's I'm even better. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, why someone else doesn't do something, you can only speculate. You know that. Yes. Um, I, I can explain the given reason, and I can tell you why I think that reason I don't believe it's a valid reason, and that really doesn't get to the heart of the matter, which you just got to, which is uh, why are they doing what they're doing, and we can speculate some on that. Uh, I guess what I'm most comfortable with is explaining the legal issues, but that may be a a little deeper than you want to get to right now. I don't know. Okay, well, let's talk about this. is, Is this a FOIA request, Doug, that you're doing yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and, you know, term FOIA uh, that covers just, you know, every state has got public records. Uh, oh, yeah. Or FOIA. And in Tennessee, we call it the Public Records Act. But, yeah, it's FOIA, Freedom of Information. That's what it is. Okay. Well, we just had a war here in uh, Arkansas over trying to change the FOIA, and we beat it back. Uh, Arkansas has one of the best FOIA laws in the nation, I believe. Uh, that allows us to get a hold of uh, these type of records that we're talking about. If things had changed, we would be fighting to see the manifesto as well. As it is right now, we would probably be able to get it, although I think it would take a judge to force the people uh, to to follow FOIA and give it to us. So it, it comes down to, you know, why do people want to use FOIA to keep, you know, records from uh you know their their citizenry that that it's it's got that's something we've got to figure out what's going on transparency is a is a light that needs to be show, uh, shown on every aspect of our uh, you know our our local government yeah i mean that's the, that's the whole basis of the, the freedom of information laws uh, it's the concept of democracy is that if the people are going to be their own governors well, they got to have the information about government so they can make informed decisions uh, all, all throughout the year, but especially when it's time to go to the ballot box. Yeah, this is, this is, a- abso- a- absolutely. So where are you in this process, and, and how is this process going to be carried out? Uh, well, of course, it's been just over a month since this very, since this very tragic shooting, and then shortly thereafter the uh, p- police and other law enforcement, they did uncover a number of documents, including what's been referred to as a manifesto. And so that's been, that's been a month. And since that time, there's been a number of um, organizations and individuals who have written letters or made uh, oral requests to say, hey, we want to see these documents. And they're getting the uh, cold shoulder from the uh, Nashville Police Department, who 
that's who it's being directed to. And um, and so finally, Friday, um, uh, on behalf of uh, a citizen of Tennessee who is working with the National Police Association, uh, we have filed a lawsuit in Nashville to try to uh, get that information. Okay, so I'm going to assume that your FOIA law is a, is somewhat like ours, maybe not as tough as ours, but still... These are these are things that should be released to the public. Uh, why don't you t- tell us what they're trying to say is the reason why they don't have to release these articles? Sure. Um, yeah, the, the Tennessee law, in, in, in its very essence, it's very similar, very very simple. It's just that if it's a public record, then the public gets it unless there's an exception. And uh, number one, there's no dispute this is a public record. I mean, it might not have been created by a public official, but it was taken into custody by public officials in the course of their uh, official work. So this is a public record. No dispute about that. And the question is, is there an exception that would uh, prohibit release of this document? And uh, several years ago, uh, well, I mean, it's been developing over several decades. The issue is, uh, well, if there's an ongoing criminal in- investigation or proceeding, then uh, that can be denied to the public. Um, and, I mean, we have two contrary cases. One uh, back in Memphis, back in 1986, a very similar situation to this. The, the shooters or the perpetrators, they were killed in the police shootout. So the Memphis Police uh, Department, they had to acknowledge, well, you know, no one's going to be prosecuted if, if those guys are shot and killed. That's right. Um, and, and that's very similar to what we have here. The shooter in this case was shot and killed uh, by the police. Now, uh, then just several years ago when the Supreme Court clarified, and so that was a Supreme Court case in 86 in Memphis, then in Nashville we had a uh, case where there was an ongoing uh, trial uh, against several people, and uh, – under those circumstances, when the case is ongoing, uh, the Supreme Court said, well, no, you can't get it. And specifically, the exception is found in uh, Rule 16 of the Tennessee Rules of Criminal Procedure, which governs discovery uh, you know, of documents and other information in a criminal case. And so that is the answer to your question of what's the excuse being given. The excuse being given is, well, Rule 16 of the Tennessee Rules of Criminal Procedure says you can't have it. But these rules, uh, you know, this is our point of contention, but I would say that these rules only apply to criminal proceedings, and there are no criminal proceedings if there's no criminal defendant. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> there's nothing that they can release that's going to make her fi- find this lady who did the shooting any more guilty than the bullets that she took when she was doing this dastardly crime. That's right. And, and, and yeah, and to carry it a little further, you know, of course, unfortunately, there's been situations in the country where, you know, the police have been charged with crimes for what they have done. But that's not the case here. I mean, the police officers in this situation, I mean, they have been correctly lauded as heroic in, in, in what they've done. And no one's suggesting that the police did anything wrong. So... Uh, you know, the police aren't going to be charged with a crime. 
All right, we've got I've got two other members of my panel here. Let me ask Artie to ask you his question, and Paul wants to ask you a question. Go ahead, Artie. Hey, Mr. Pierce, uh, what is the interest of the National Police Association? Why are they particularly interested in these documents? Okay, uh, once again, I, I, although I'm not with them, uh, I have some understanding of what they do. They are, as the name implies, a national association, and what they do is. <clears throat> Uh, I mean, they're a, a 501c3 uh, organization uh, under the tax laws. They advocate on behalf of police officers, not necessarily law enforcement organizations, but police officers. And I would say generally they believe their concern is, is that not only does the public have an interest in transparency, but police officers for their own well-being, they have an interest in transparency in matters such as this, uh, that it protects them. But okay. you said that they weren't, none of the police officers in the shooting were, were held were held uh, accountable for anything that they'd done wrong, or they were cleared in the case, basically. But I, I didn't know if they thought that there might be some kind of conspiracy or this shooting might have not have been isolated or uh, an organization or something. So you're just saying... They want to clear the officers, but it sounds like the officers already been cleared. That's right. Now, uh, going back on uh, some more of what's going on here, and once again, as Dave and I pointed out to Dave, you know, we don't know everything that's going on. Right. Uh, but what we've heard is that uh, you know it's not just a local matter that right. the, the FBI has been brought into this, and at least a lot of the people are. Maybe they're speculating, or maybe they have gotten some inside information, but the reports are that it is the, not the local police that are holding this up. Uh, and now I'm speculating, but I think the local police know they got to turn this over. But they're being uh, influenced by the national, the FBI, who, who doesn't want this to happen. And I guess I do need to point this out. Yeah, just like a day or so before we filed our lawsuit in state court under the uh, the Open Records Act, uh, there was a Wisconsin organization that filed suit in federal court in Nashville against the FBI, uh, trying to do much the same thing, but going about it a, a very different route. So going against, going through the federal system towards the FBI. So th- that's what's going on there. I think that answers our question. All right, Paul. This is Paul Calvert here. I, I've got a question as far as, I don't know what the normal procedure is when, um, say if there's an investigation going on and the police do a search of a person's home and they obtain a lot of documents and maybe other um, property that may be evidence in a, in a potential crime. Um, I would assume that generally that information is just simply not available to the public because it's, it's frankly, private. Those are private documents. What? How does this work with the, the document that was private but the person is deceased and the person was never convicted of anything because obviously they're dead. They're never going to be convicted. How, how does that actually work? Does it does it become a public record? Well, generally, yes. It's. Uh, well, I'll say it again. Oh, it is a public record. The only question is, is there an exception? And and to deal with privacy concerns, uh, if there is a legitimate privacy concern, there can be redactions. Now, it'd be kind of unusual if someone in this situation, when they wrote their manifesto, they wrote down their Social Security number, uh, but that would be something that would be redacted. Certain things can be redacted, 
if there's a legitimate reason for that. Um, uh, and, and, you know, that's just the most obvious example. There could be more than just something of, of uh, a Social Security number. Uh, it could be a, a number of things that might be redacted. But uh, for the most part, uh, the, the concept is it's open, uh, with, but you've got to find an exception if you want to cut something out. So even, even private private a person's private documents would be available to the public if they, if they were taken in a search. Uh, once again, it's where you draw the line of what's private. Uh, you know, I gave you one example that right. I don't but, know what else it would a, be. I mean, if it's a love letter to a spouse or numbers. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, even if it's, a, if it's a letter to a spouse or something of that nature in, yeah. a, in a potential murder case or something of that, maybe a murder suicide or whatever it might be, are those documents available to the public? I, I guess I'm wondering, are, are these documents that were previously private, are they, do they become public? because of the fact that it was uh, uh, the products of a search? Well, that's a, that's a very good question that you ask, and it's one that's uh, percolating right now. Uh, looking just toward, and of course this situation that we've seen here, and you've seen it in a number of situations in shootouts where the police end up um, killing the shooter, right. you can't help but feel that that person, they knew they were going to die in this shootout, and they were committing suicide by police. Uh, that was their intent all along, but maybe they were seeking some notoriety. But, of course, you also have situations where people, um, and very tragically, they, they just decide they want to end their own lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had some cases in Tennessee, and that establishes when someone decides, hey, I'm, I'm going to kill myself, and I'm going to write a uh, long uh, you know, suicide note. And that suicide note, the police, you know, they, they look into it. They want to make sure that it you know, it's not a homicide, there's no crime, and um, the, the, the suicide note is a public record. Is it? Now, yeah. Now, now, one. in fact, we have, you know, Dave opened this up talking about how there's legislative changes. Here in this state and probably every other state, every year we've got the legislative changes. One very noteworthy suicide that we had in the state a little more than a year ago, I think it's a little more than a year ago, was... Um, uh, Naomi Judd, mm-hmm. uh, the Judd sisters, and uh, th- that has brought to light to the uh, some people in the Tennessee General Assembly that maybe there needs to be some limitations on the public's right of access to suicide notes and, th- and things that relate to suicides. So anyway. Okay. Our guest is Doug Pierce. He is a First Amendment attorney. He's representing the National Police Association to get in my and I'm very interested to read this manifesto that this person wrote we'll get to the 800 pound gorilla when we get back it does involve some conjecture but there is an 800 pound gorilla sitting in the room we'll I'll ask that question when we get back on the Dave Ellswick show All right, so we've been hearing a whole lot of different people involved in this. You've, you've got well, Doug is the First Amendment attorney representing the National Police Association. They want this stuff released, but we're hearing now that there's word that the FBI doesn't, and they're telling uh, people, you know, they're telling some people that they shouldn't be releasing this. So I, you know, the 800-pound gorilla there that's there, Doug, is the FBI answers to the president of the united states so the question is 
do we think that the president has said don't release this manifesto because there's something in it like a person going to war with the people of this country that are straight and he doesn't want that out there because he thinks that that's going to put transgender people in danger yeah who knows you know uh but you know this is an example Unfortunately, we had a number of tragic shootings in this country. School shootings are especially difficult to accept or deal with. But uh, this is that's something that's different about this one, and and everybody's aware of that. That that this uh, shooter identified as trans, and so and now it's not being released. And so yeah, that we don't know what's in that manifesto. Right. We don't know why it's being held. Uh, I, I would say this. You know, there was examples in Chicago where they, they would there would be police shootings and, and they would not release that uh, uh, body camera footage for the longest time, and, and there was a lot of protest. And when they finally released it, you know, it's like it sparks a whole new riot. And, and when you when you keep things secret, keep them uh, under, it's like they're building up pressure over and over. It gets worse and worse, and when it, it just doesn't help not to allow uh, the uh, uh, the open access. Well, here's the thing that bothers me is I've been seeing on the internet more and more trans people saying go out and buy guns and things of that nature, and we need to take this up on our own, and we've got to stop these people that are trying to take away our lives and whatnot. Makes me wonder what this woman and she went to this school. What was going yeah. on? You know, was there something that happened in this school? I think we all want to know what's going on here. Uh, you know, I would say that what you're thinking about might very well be true, but once again, we we just feel that we're we don't entitled know. to know. We're entitled right. to know, and it's, we think. I mean, the word that we're getting, even coming straight from the governor of the state here. He says it's coming out. So if it's coming out, why delay it? I mean, what's going to happen between, you know, now and the next several days or weeks? Uh, how, how's, that, how's things going to get any better? Unless, of course, what they, they send out, I talked about redactions, unless they start chopping it up and, you know, you only get every other word of the manifesto and you're not getting the f- full story. But we got to wait and see about that. Well, we'll have to see because I don't know how they can chop it all up when Kaczynski put his out and we got it word for word in the New York Times. Yeah. You know, I don't know how that can happen, and I'm sure you're wondering that, too, since you're a First Amendment attorney. Doug Pierce has been our guest. Doug, you don't know when this is going to happen. I don't know what when it's going to happen, but I think we can both agree it's going to happen sooner or later Sooner would be better than later. Exactly. All right. We appreciate your time today. Hey, it's been a pleasure being with you. Thank you very much. Doug Pierce uh, with us today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I thought this guy, I I made sure that we put him on on the very first half hour of the show because that's very, very serious stuff we're talking about. It is serious stuff. And I think one of the things that's a little different about this case is that you've got a, a a shooter shooting a mass uh, uh, active shooter situation and then or somebody murdered a bunch of people and then other trans people come out almost in support yes that is crazy well if you remember right after the shooting there was like let's celebrate trans people there wasn't anything about 
hey, we need to check out, are there, is there a violent element in the trans movement in this country? It's all, I'm just telling you, it, it worries me. I tell you what it worries me is the FBI being another political branch and being political. I mean, the FBI needs to be fair and balanced. Lady Justice needs to have blindfolds on. The blindfold hold it and treat everyone equally, whether they're an elected official or not. So what is this country coming to whenever the FBI answers to the president and does not treat all people equally? Commas ours. What can I tell you? All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. That was an interesting discussion, guys. Some things came out of that that concerns me that the FBI has gotten in, in, into this. That really concerns me because, you know, the bottom line is this. FBI has nothing to do with this crime. Zip, nada. It doesn't seem like they should. I think that's one of those this things. This happened that, in Nashville, and I, the people killed and that, were, you know, from Nashville, three children, you know, three administrators. And by the way, they were all white, okay? So there's no racism involved. This, I'm just telling you, this is coming down to transgenderism, and uh, they're afraid what – they've read whatever's in that manifesto. And I'm wondering if they think it's incendiary uh, if it gets out into the general public. Yeah, maybe, the, maybe they're afraid that it's going to um, embolden other – Don't have to. It's already people. emboldened them. They're already yeah. talking about I, – I thought I, I thought I had sent – a piece to to uh, Aaron. I must have missed it, but there was a transgender person that we had uh, a few days back that were saying, "I'm going. I'm telling everybody." And he was transgender. Uh, you know, he he he's crazy. He thinks that he's a a woman, and uh, he's looking at the camera saying, "Go out and buy yourself a gun. Get ready to protect I- yourself." What, from children and teachers? I have no children idea. Children and teachers do not oppose a threat to anybody. I agree. Kids that are nine years old are not going to shoot you in any way, shape, or form. And I really, except for a six-year-old, that the parents knew the kid had anger issues and let him get a hold of a gun in their house. So... I, I'm telling you, this is a move within our country that uh, gives people of this ilk that believe that they're, they're, uh, they're men, believe they're women, women believe they're men, saying uh, you need to take this in your own hands and shoot people if you need to. Well, I think that's one of the things is that, you know, for, for years, people that have this gender dysphoria or whatever they call it, they're, they're not satisfied with their own gender. It's been classified as sort of a mental illness, oh, yeah. and it, it, it is something that that the reality is is that if you've decided that, if first if of Arty, all, it's been it has been termed a mental illness. Well, I mean, if, if Artie Hopper comes um, to the show next week and says, "Hey guys, I've decided that I'm going," if to, he's wearing to, to lipstick be a woman, and eyeshadow and a dress, <laughs> and, and the reality is, that what, uh, what is our responsibility, Dave, to him? It's find like, him help. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. our our responsibility to him is not to encourage him in in his in that kind of foolishness. In his if, delusion. If he, in his delusion. I mean, if he honestly believes it. Now, the the 
the more likely scenario is it would be a joke. It would be a practical joke if he did something like that. It'd be kind of a sick joke, but it would be a it would be a more than likely it'd be a practical joke if he was to do something like that. But the reality is is that that adults need to ground children in reality. But they don't do that anymore. They and, don't do that anymore. And that's the a, other side endorses this stuff for their kids. That's insane. Well, my six-year-old tells me, I feel like a girl. And you go, okay, that's good. We'll start putting you in dresses. What's wrong with you? I'm de- I asked this. What's wrong with you? Yeah. it's. Is there any reality left? The thing about it is there has to be some sense of right and wrong and some sense of a reality, Just reality. and truth. Is right. there a truth? Mm-hmm. Or is all, no, are all no, things questionable? There is no truth. I've told all, all you that for are, a long time now. Yeah. Are all things questionable? I mean, is there, are there, is there a is, right and wrong? Is there a, a truth nope. still alive? Can't is, be a right and wrong if there is no truth. Is, is liquid water wet? <laughs> if they're going to look at you and say it's my truth, then there's nothing you can say to that person because it's, quote, their truth. These are people who run from God. It's their truth. They think that they're God. That's the way it is. And as long as it's that way, there's no reasoning with that person. Well, you can have no society on that level. No, you can't. You cannot have a society based on uh, uh, no right and wrong and no truth and no statues to live by. There's been people thinking about this for a long time. Yeah, really. For instance, Monty Python. My, I've seen that little video. Monty Python <laughs> I think. thought that that way as well. And in fact, just so I can prove that to you, this was written 49 years ago. Here's Monty Python from the Holy Grail. It is the birthright of every man or woman. Why don't you shut up about women, Stan? You're putting us off. Women have a perfect right to play a part in our movement, Reg. Why are you always on about women, Stan? I want to be one. What? I want to be a woman. From now on, I want you all to call me Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. But why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. You want to have babies? It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. But you can't have babies! Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus going to gestate? You're going to keep it in a box? Here, I've got an idea. Suppose you agree that he can't actually have babies, not having a womb, which is nobody's fault, not even the Romans, but that he can have the right to have babies. Good idea, Judith. We shall fight the oppressors for your right to have babies, brother. Sister, sorry. What's the point? What? What's the point of fighting for his right to have babies when he can't have babies? It is symbolic of our struggle against oppression. Symbolic of his struggle against reality. All right. (laughs) There is a reality. 49 years ago. 49 Uh, years ago they wrote that. It's been it's been percolating around in society. They had to wait till people were stupid enough to say, "Well, you've got to be empathetic to everybody." Well, Hollywood has been upstream of society on this issue for forty nine years. It's taken them that long to try to brainwash people. 
Well, you know, I mean, back back in the day, just before even that was done, you had, uh, I'm trying to think, Christine Jorgensen. You had, um, I can't think of the lady who, or the guy who became a woman or thought he was a woman uh, and then wanted to play in Wimbledon, and they turned him down to be able to play at Wimbledon. Renee Richards, that's who it was. And uh, so with that in mind, it's been going on for quite some time. This is what happened, and we've talked about this. This goes on with the left. They start on something, and they keep pushing it. They don't stop, and sooner or later, regular people start thinking like, uh, well, they stop thinking, <laughs> and, and they, they, they adhere to it. They throw their arms around it. They say, well, you know, they want to be um, a woman and pretend that they're a woman and they're a man. So be it. So be it. We're seeing it happen. But now it's got to the point where parents who have young children who can't make these decisions for themselves are, are getting, you know, they're getting the penis saw out and they're cutting their penises off and stuff and saying, now, Johnny, you're a girl. Because maybe the mom really wanted a, a daughter instead of a son. It's sick. It is absolutely sick. And we're putting up with it. On, we're fighting it here in Arkansas. But who gets involved? The courts get involved. And the courts could care less. Just tell you, they could care less about the truth. You know? You've got to protect the children until they're an adult and old enough to make their own decisions. Who, who the said? Children can't make the decision to smoke cigarettes at that age. They can't buy alcohol. They can't get a gun license. But you're gonna you're gonna let them make a decision that's going to affect them the rest of their lives. Yeah, that, that's right. that's insane. They can't buy cigarettes. <laughs> but you, you've got you've got so-called adults out here. Maybe even doctors suggesting that. Well, you know. Yeah, we know that we, they shouldn't be allowed to smoke cigarettes. Doctors who are in the business. Of cutting kids up? Yes. Yeah, that that's insane. And so, yeah, you've got. I think they should call them, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. What, who was the how guy? Is this who, not, was, who, was this, who was the uh, Nazi? Uh, Magna, Magnola or whatever. How, how is this not child molestation? It should be. Molestation. It's, it's worse than molestation. Manipulation. It, yeah. it's, un, it's unbelievable but, but what this, they're doing. This just proves that the um, the medical licensing board is worthless. If these people the keep people their license... Who, the people who are doing this, let me use a leftist term. You're on the wrong side of history. Well, that, There's going to be people who look back on this and go, oh my God. These people... Well, wait a second. If, oh my. They'll forget the God part of it. If, if the, the thing is, though, that these people should be automatically losing their license, even for just advocating this sort of thing about children. I mean, this is the, – the the medical licensing board is supposedly there to keep the charlatans out. They're licensing the charlatans. Well, we'll take a break. We'll come back. we got more to talk about. I got all into this because a lawyer came on the show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, because we heard from Doug Pierce earlier in the show about the manifesto from the shooter – who was killed, that did the shooting in Nashville a few weeks ago. And no, they won't let out her manifesto. Interesting, everybody's wondering what's in it that they don't want us to see. 
Is it something about being, uh, you know, I want to, I want it to be a, a, a guy because kind of- I'm a girl, and I went to a school that denied me that, so I'm going to take my revenge on them. Maybe I mean, it's that's kind of all, a call to action. Yeah, it could be. A, it could be a call to action in it. Kaczynski had that in his manifesto. All right, let's get a break. It's uh, about 11 minutes until 8. Don't forget our good folks uh, from ICU Protection. And uh, that, of course, is uh, Billy Mack. wants you to know, if you're a small business person, that you may qualify for the Employee Retention Credit, or the ERC. That's up to $26,000 per W-2 employee, refundable tax credit, not a loan, You don't have to pay it back, and there's no strings attached on the funds. Here's what's new. The qualifications have changed. The supply chain issues may qualify you now. You can both get ERC and PPP, additional ERC funds in some cases. And uh, all you got to do to find out more information, go to this website, ERC, easy. E-R-C-E-Z-1-2-3. E-R-C-E-Z-1-2-3.com. And it keeps getting worse as far as the trans movement goes. Um, LGBTQ activist group asked Anheuser-Busch to further support the trans community. And Isaac Bush has dug itself into a deep hole. This is from uh, Town Hall. Full disclosure, complete clarity. Town Hall is owned by the people who own my radio station at Salem Media. And Isaac Bush has dug itself into a deep hole after playing politics with its beer. Since significant backlash stormed the company for partnering with transgender social media influencer Dylan Mulhaney, you know, 365 days of being a girl, you know, I'm a girl, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Bud Light has faced a downward spiral of issues, including a drastic drop in sales. Now the trans community is coming for the company itself pressuring it to publicly double down on supporting transgender activist Dylan Mulhaney, Mulvaney, in a letter addressed to the head of Anheuser-Busch's Human Resources Department, Senior Vice President at the Human Rights Campaign, that's HRC, uh, Jay Brown, demanded Anheuser-Busch not stop catering to the LGBTQ community. Let me stop right there. When did they stop before they put this this uh, freak's picture on a can of beer? They could could you not go to a store and buy some uh, Bud Light? Yeah, you could. The people fought back when they made you special. You know what if they only put white people on a can of beer? Or only black people, or only Asian people. Do you th- think that that wouldn't ignite other people to get upset? Anheuser Bush has declined several meeting requests from the HRC in the wake of right-wing pushback over its partnership with Mulvaney. 
According to an individual with knowledge of the situation, Anheuser-Busch did not immediately respond to Hill's request for comment. The letter also recommends that Anheuser-Busch meet with its LGBTQ employees to discuss how and understand their concerns. How about meeting with your heterosexual folks? All right, about that as well. Well, they're going to... Okay, are are we on the air still? Okay, just checking on that. Uh, with its LBGTQ employees, do they meet with their heterosexual employees to discuss and understand their concerns and conduct workplace transgender inclusion training? Or heter- how about heterosexual training for uh, com- uh, company executives uh, as well? Okay, that's the other thing. That's the other thing as as well. All right, so yeah, that was my television that went off. All of a sudden, I was getting no sound on it at all until we got that. Uh, we had a, like a, a one of those emergency network. Yeah, things. from the, from the federal government, they it, never do anything it wrong. Made the made the TV go haywire. Yeah, they never do anything <laughs> wrong at all. It's always right on the up and up. But anyway, think about this. I mean. The LGBT community saying, you need to meet with us to talk about this. Why? Here's the, the, the interesting disclaimer here that they make this, this, they make this series about. It says uh, they want to know uh, about, uh, you know, Bud Light. Now the trans community wanting to know uh, if the company is... Uh, going to double down on supporting transgender activist Dylan Mavaney. And uh, we want to make sure we can, we want to make sure you're not going to stop catering to the LGBTQ community. They never stopped. They never stopped. They they would sell you beer (laughs) all the time. They would. Not a problem. Why would you want... Well, I know why they want it. Yeah, they want it. It's the other side that's not buying Bud Light right now wants to know why you put Mulvaney on a can of beer. Why would any? Why? Why would you want? Why did you celebrate that? Why would you want a beer company to to celebrate homosexuality and and transgenderism? Because the transgender and the homosexuals want everybody to think that that's just normal sexual behavior when it's deviant behavior. It's yeah. It's by the definition of deviant. You are a deviant. I hate to tell you that, but you are. Now, you are a deviant, and that's why people look at you that way. And I'm sorry that's the case, but you're such a minority, they're going to say, you deviant, you're going to deviate from the norm. That's what deviant means. And from the reality is part of it, is this, because we're, we're talking about people that are stepping out of reality and wanting to claim something that's just not reality. It's not true. I, mean, I always thought it wasn't true, but boy, there's psychologists and there's doctors that want to say it's, it's true now. It's, it's not Especially if they can make a buck off of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's their truth. UAMS. Huh? Yeah. Oh, they got gender affirming care. Yeah. Which is, is the biggest. Taxpayer? That's the biggest misnomer around. Is that taxpayer funded? I'm sure it is. Well, UAMS is a. Is a tax subsidized 
organization at least i think all right we gotta take a break we got more coming back we're off to a rip roaring start on a monday on the dave ellswick show Man, I got to tell you, I got up this morning, I read this story, and I thought, wow, life is good. Life is good. Uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said Sunday that he is focused on getting congressional support to fix the broken immigration system in the U.S. as the Biden administration braces for what is expected to be a record surge in migration across the southern border. We were just sitting here watching the uh, uh, video. Last year, known getaways by 300,000. Up to this date now, there's been over 600,000 getaways uh, down on the border. The uh, Biden administration and its border officials are bracing for a massive surge in migrants when the COVID restrictions known as Title 42 end May 11th. Federal immigration authorities said last week that local officials are already short on the money and space needed to handle migrants. A a new definition of secure border just dropped, in fact. So what's the definition of a secure border to you? Alejandro Mayorka said it is maximizing the resources that we have available and that we can have to use to deliver the most effective results. What kind of gobbledygook is that? I mean, think about it for a moment. You think that he was somehow like the twin brother of Harris. Washington Examiner reporting the poll from the Trafalgar Group for Convention of States Action find a bipartisan consensus on putting responsibility for the border on the federal government. They're the ones in they're the ones responsible. They are the ones responsible. Though Republicans had a somewhat higher percentage, roughly ninety one point four percent of Republicans said it was the responsibility of the federal government to manage the current influx of migrants compared to the 82.9% of Democrats, a lot of dummies there, and 84.5% of in, uh, independents, altogether 86.8% of respondents believed it was the responsibility of the federal government uh, government over the states. It's not the state's job. It's the federal government's job to take care of the people who are Coming across our border. To secure the border. Yes. They're supposed to secure it. Supposed if to. If you secure the border, then you don't have that big of a problem. Yeah, you don't then worry you about enemies. Right. You don't worry about illegals picking up a gun and killing five people next door because they ask you to keep the noise down. There has to be a process to enter any country. There, are all, there is in all European countries. If you want to come there and be part of that country, there's a process. 
And I've got a friend that's helped five or six people become citizens of the United States just because he did it for his wife. He learned how the system works. And then he did it for five or six other people. Just at, So there's a process to follow. And it works. But these, there's people that don't want to do it legally. Well, they don't want to take the time to do it. That's the problem. I mean, look, if you were a criminal in Mexico, or not not even Mexico, let's say Guatemala, wouldn't you want to come to the United States where they don't arrest you when you steal stuff? <laughs> Think Go about that. San Francisco. Go to San, or Chicago <laughs> or New York or any of the other big cities that are controlled by... Uh, blue politicians, they just let them run rampant. It's it's crazy, absolutely nuts, and uh, they don't care. They'll put little businessmen out of business left and right over this it's stuff. Not just the little businesses. I think part of it. It's even the big businesses are leaving some of these cities. It's like they can't. Well, Whole Foods got that kind of Portland. They, they can't. Walmart's they, getting out of Portland. They can't function business. because the, if their if their level of theft and and um, and um, now let, let's call it what they call it shrinkage. Shrinkage. They call it shrinkage. shrinkage. They don't want to call it stealing. They call it shrinkage. We saw you shrinkage that, <laughs> you know. It's it's, hmm. it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy here in this yeah. country. People have lost their ever-loving minds. Put up with this stuff. Wait, how much? How much longer can some of this foolishness go on? And 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 we're not. And we don't just crash. As long as they adhere to the definition of socialism and not run into the hard. Hard wall of Margaret Thatcher. Running out of other people's money. Yeah. When you yeah. run out of other people's money, socialism ends. Well, but do you know what begins then? Communism. Has, has Arkansas ever seen a federal dollar they didn't like? Oh, my God, no. Not I mean, that I know of. And, I mean, anytime there comes up a, an ability to get money in Arkansas, uh, it's like whatever they want to do, whether it's seat belts or speed limits or... Uh, Medicaid expansion, or whatever. Billboard signs. Yeah, billboard they signs, They stand up whatever. and say, wait a second, what freedom do we need to give up and get extra money? Oh, that's not a big freedom. We'll give that one yeah, up. Yeah, we'll sell your freedom. Yeah. How about your health care freedom and the cost of yeah. health care? Is that well, worth turning just, it over to the socialism and the federal government? Right. So, well, or just like the FDA, the USDA, all these, a lot of these different organizations – they end up being cartels. They're just federal cartels. I asked a, a, a former House member in here on a show one time who happens to be very involved in the in the local party that we're in. You know, is is there ever times where we may cut back on our on our federal subsidies that subsidize this state? And he said, "Well, I don't know. That's a tough one there. But uh, I guess if it was doing more harm than good, I guess we could cut back on it." Well, I thought, so, well, hey, but, there's well, a lot of it doing more harm than good. How but, about? But you have to define what's the harm because but they, they only see if they, harm if it's the other party doing it. Maybe so. And part of the thing is that they're, they're, they need to look at the harm as okay. These these subsidies come at the expense of of um, primary rights. 
How about how about the doubling of of, of private citizens' health care insurance? Is that a doubling of of our insurance because you're giving everybody else's for free? Oh, but is that is that harm? But it, I don't it's, know. It's worth it for us to sacrifice you, I mean, do you? How about you, how about <laughs> you can't employ people because they already have health insurance and they already have they all it. the subsidies they need? They can work for as long as they stay 130 percent. Seven percent of poverty level. They have all these subsidies, and they have n- no ambition to do any better in life because you're subsidizing their health insurance and, and their family. And the more kids they have, the more money they make. You know, how about a higher divorce rate because everybody gets twice as much money if they're not married to their wife. Uh, so uh, I don't know what the definition of harm is, but apparently they have a different definition than business owners have. Well, just like they do of a secure border. They have a different view of that, too. And uh, did you hear what Mulvaney said over the weekend? What's that? Mulvaney said that there were some companies that only wanted to work with him because he's trans. Really? Name one. They want to improve. A lot of them. Yeah, they want to improve their standing for the future. So what these companies are sitting in their boardroom and saying is, this is the wave of the future. And we're we're stuck with all these old fogies, all these old white people. The, yeah, the, when one, they, the when ones they that all are, die off, all you young folks, you'll love. You're going to love your country because all of the trans people, they're just going to get all kinds of freebies. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, when and, all these old old so-called uncivilized old people die off like dave ellsworth the, the ones the ones that know how to fix your plumbing the ones that know how to make your sewer system work the ones that keep your drinking water from being filthy those those people so, so when these people die off and we're left with these nut jobs and sewage running in the streets what, what are we going to do well yeah, that's Megan, right. Megan Kelly made this. Hey, they statement. can fix that online, can't they? Can they work from they home have, and do that? Have a video game fix their sewers <laughs> for them. Yeah, and that's just not trans people, by the way. Uh, Megan Kelly said that uh, Milvaney should move to Canada. She says you'll love it there uh, because, of course, the 2021 ruling by the Canadian courts that uh, stated deliberate misgendering. In the workplace is a human rights violation. So if you don't call him a her, you're misgendering that person. I say that the government is forcing me to misgender that person by calling them a her when they're actually a he.